This is an ABC podcast. Hello, friends. My name is Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Welcome to News Time, a show where we look back at the top stories from around the world. A lot's been happening in the news this week. So, are you ready to count down today's stories? Yes, we are ready. Fantastic. Let's kick it off. Story number five. Right now, lots of places where people like to hang out, like food courts and shops, have closed. It's all part of a plan to stop the spread of the coronavirus. The coronavirus is like the flu. It spreads around the world really quickly. They're shutting down all of the extracurricular activities and, like, choir and stuff, and, like, they're not handling money. It's a good idea since it's not like letting anything pass on to other people. The coronavirus is spread in the same way as the flu, through germs. Germs that are contagious. It means you're contagious. You have something that you can give to other people. Contagious means it could spread. Germs are these things. They're really tiny, but they are alive. They can go on your hands, face or into your body and that can make you sick. Even though they're small, they can have a big impact on living things. Yep. And you know, one of the little things that you and me and everyone can do to stop the coronavirus spreading... Wash your hands. Washing hands. Washing your hands with some soap and hot water and keeping clean and making sure that you don't just do a quick rush. You got it. Wash your hands. Lots and lots. It's also important for us to stay at home as much as we can. And that means no travelling overseas. Australia has stopped flying planes to other countries. And some states and territories in Australia have stopped people from visiting as well. When we stay at home and we don't hang out in big groups, it means we're not spreading as many germs. And that means coronavirus won't have the chance to get people sick. Now tell me, what kind of fun things can we do to keep busy at home? You can play Lego. You can get boxes and turn them into little houses. You could get little clothes and sew fun things on them. And then um, dress your teddies up. Make chocolate chip cookies. Practicing handstands and back walk rovers. Play music and dance. Great ideas. I know another great idea. Listening to News Time with Ruby on ABC Kids Listen. But you already knew that one, didn't you? All right, let's boogie our way over to our next story. Story number four. It was World Meteorological Day this week. Whew, meteorological. That's a bit tough to say. Do you know what meteorology is? Uh, it's outer space. Maybe a meteor to falling onto someone's head. Ouch! It means people who study the weather. It means you're learning about the weather and the air. Yes, that's it. Meteorology is the study of the atmosphere. The atmosphere is all the air that's between us here on Earth and up in outer space. The atmosphere covers the whole world. 
And changes in our atmosphere make changes in the weather. What kinds of weather do we have? There's rain, sunny, um, hail, burning, lava type weather, storms, ice weather, so you're just going to freeze into a nice port. Meteorology is really useful because scientists can use it to see what the weather's going to be. It's also useful to keep track of all kinds of things in our environment, like how much it rains, or when it doesn't rain at all, like if there's a drought. A drought is when there's not enough rain and the land gets all dry and the grass turns goldish. This year, the theme of World Meteorological Day is climate and water. All living things need fresh water, like you and me and all the birds and all the animals and all the trees. It's important to keep track of the weather to make sure that we've got enough water for farmers to grow veggies and for rivers and wildlife to be healthy and, of course, for you and me to wash our hands. Did I mention that it's really important to wash your hands? That gets all the germs and and the water washes it off and and it washes it off into the sink. Fresh and clean. All right, let's dry off our hands now and carry on to our next story. Story number three. Can you remember what a paleontologist does? A person who tries to find dinosaur bones. Someone that digs up dinosaur bones? A paleontologist is somebody who studies fossils. And some paleontologists have just discovered the fossil of a new type of teeny tiny dinosaur. They reckon it looks a bit like a hummingbird with a beak full of sharp teeth. They've decided to name it Oculodentarvus. Oculodentarvus? Dinosaurs are amazing. I love dinosaurs. Me too, and this one sounds pretty cool. The skull of the Oculodentarvus was found inside some amber. Know what that is? Maybe it's a type of rock? Amber is what you get when the orange sticky stuff that trees make, called resin, gets as hard as a rock. That takes a really, really, really long time, but eventually it gets hard enough for us to call it amber. Fossils that we find inside amber are awesome because they capture lots of detail. And that's important because Oculodentarvus's head was smaller than half a five-cent coin. Told you it was teeny tiny. To find out more about this toothy little creature, paleontologists put the amber fossil in a super strong x-ray machine. X-ray shows up got bones inside. An X-ray is something that looks inside your body. It can see your bones. Yes, that's right. Now, we know that lots of animals alive today are related to the dinosaurs. Some lizards, a a great white shark, a bird. Birds are related to dinosaurs. Yep. And did you know, fun fact, the chicken is the closest living relative to the T-Rex. True story. That's crazy. I did not know that. My favourite dinosaur is a T-Rex. It had big teeth and claws. <laughs> hmm, yes, I guess the chicken was the friendlier relative. That's why little Oculodentarvus is so important. 
because it might tell us more about the connection between the mighty dinosaurs and the much smaller animals of today. <laughs> All right, time to journey forward in time to our next story. Story number two. This weekend, millions of people all around the world are joining together for Earth Hour. Earth Hour is about when you turn all of the lights off at the same time. Not just lights, like computers, phones, all the electronics in your house you can find. Yes, 7,000 cities all across the globe are planning to go dark for one hour all at the same time. It would be good for the planet, probably, because we use lights nearly every day. That saving energy is good for the environment. Earth Hour does save some energy, but even more importantly, it's a way for people to show that they care about the environment and encourage everyone to take better care of it. You see, our planet's getting warmer. That is not a good thing. And a big reason for it is pollution. Humans can make pollution, like throwing rubbish into the water and using a lot of petrol and oil. And sometimes they put the oil into the ocean and the animals get really, really sick. There are lots of ways to help stop pollution, like using energy that's powered by wind or water or the sun. Solar power is better for the environment because it's natural. This electricity thing, except it's powered by the sun. We can all do little things to help the environment, like recycling, or walking, or riding a bike instead of driving, and switching off lights when we aren't in the room. I could work near the window so I can get some bright light. Maybe I could just make my own fan and like fan myself with, you know, those paper fans. If I wanted to play video games, I could sit on my balcony and have a solar-powered TV and remote. Excellent energy-saving ideas. Nice one. And you know what? Just like that, we are up to our last story. Story number one. What can you tell me about turtles? It's like a tortoise, but it swims in water. And they're like this sea animal and the reptiles. And they have this, like, hard shell. That's why sharks can't bite them. Well, this story is about a turtle with a broken shell. A loggerhead turtle whose name is Yoshi. Years and years ago, Yoshi was found by some fishermen and they decided to help her out. So they took her to an aquarium in South Africa. Yoshi lived in that aquarium for 20 years. But we all know wild animals belong in the wild. So eventually, it was time for Yoshi to leave. But Yoshi had been in the aquarium for so long that they needed to do some training to get her ready for the wild again. I'll get a big, like, long tank. I'll put her in there and I can throw some food and she can swim and find them so she gets more practice and practice. That is exactly what they did. And they taught her how to find her food. If I saw Yoshi, I would make this called turtle jetpack, put it on there, and then Yoshi could just turn it on, on and she'll just go... Pew! I think turtles prefer the slow life. Once they released Yoshi back into the ocean, they kept an eye on her with a little tracker. And guess what? Yoshi swam halfway across the world from South Africa to Western Australia. 
That's amazing. That was awesome. How did they do that? No human can do that. Scientists reckon Yoshi might be heading back to the beach where she hatched from as a baby. What an amazing journey. And a pretty good memory too. Bye, Yoshi. Bye, Yoshi. Good luck, Yoshi. Happy swimming, Yoshi. And that's it. We've made it to the end of our countdown. <sighs> it's been a week of doing things a bit differently than usual. And like you, I'm staying at home too. So I want to say a big thank you to all of my wonderful helpers who sent their voices in for today's show. Now I'm off to look for some fresh news stories for next week. Take care of yourself and keep washing those hands. Bye, Ruby. Bye, Ruby. Bye, Ruby. See you later.